This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit! Browns are going to win! Mayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. Fans, now cover two, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Good evening, everyone. This is George Thomas from the Akron Beacon Journal. I'm with Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository, Marla Reidenauer from the Beacon Journal, and Nate Ulrich from the Beacon Journal. And hey, the Browns won this afternoon, and they did so in a rather dominating fashion. Um, here to break it down, break it all down for you. Basically, starting, you know what? The defense got a lot of flack last week. Um, the win begins and ends with them, I think. Miles um, Garrett had a monster day. Um, this is what everyone expected when the season started in Game One. It, has, it hasn't come to, to until Game Three. So, what say everybody? Well, I just think that this was exactly the answer that Joe Woods and the defense needed after, you know, last week's win over the Texans. Um, you know, the, the only sack came from Grant Delpit on a safety blitz at the end of the game. And so this was a dominant uh, defensive front performance. Miles Garrett, as you alluded to, George, set the franchise record for a single game, sack total of four and a half. Uh, Jadavian Cloudy added two sacks, and the unit finished with nine sacks overall. And, you know, Garrett, I, I just checked out Pro Football Focus, they had him with eight pressures. This could, this could be his finest game as a pass rusher, um, as a Browns player. Statistically, it is by far. Uh, his previous career high was three sacks against the Jets in 2019. So this was just the kind of game that you you wanted to see this defense come up with. I thought all along that the best defensive front performance uh, was going to dictate the game and whichever team uh, had that was going to win because I really came in thinking that Julio Mack and, and Robert Quinn and Akeem Hicks, those guys over the Bears front, are really, really good and well-respected, and I thought this could be a tough game for the Browns. Well, it turns out the Browns front really was the better one, took it to them. Now, Mayfield took five sacks, but obviously nine is better than five. So, yeah, Miles Garrett and company definitely answered the bell in a major way when there was a lot of heat on them, including from this podcast last week. I actually makes – this performance makes me wonder if there was some kind of – internal struggle going on with you know with joe woods being too conservative and you know like the players and you know like you know how that was playing out inside um because this seemed like a dramatic i mean he didn't really blitz a rookie last week until the last play basically the very end of the game and then he goes after justin fields like crazy so you know i kind of make it kind of makes me wonder like why they flipped the switch like they did, but it was certain. I just think that's this is the blueprint for 
how the Browns defense needs to play. In, in terms of the defense, which obviously was uh, at its best relative to the other performances this season, you know, I think um, I, I don't know if um, I want to give the Browns credit. I don't want to get carried away. You can't because they had a whole week to um, game plan against Joe Woods had a whole week to game plan against a quarterback who was playing in his first NFL game and, and a quarterback who was uh, highly touted coming out of college, but not so much so that uh, he didn't slide to the number 10 spot in the draft, which can be a trouble spot when you're looking for a, a quarterback who's going to last you a while. But, um, you know, full credit to Joe Woods for making some changes that uh, really had an impact on what absolutely had to be accomplished, which was dominating Justin Fields. Watching some of the things that he did, he, he flopped uh, he flopped Clowney, who incidentally uh, uh, I thought looked outstanding today with two sacks and in in, in five hits. He flopped Clowney and Garrett at times. At times he, uh, he uh, dropped uh, or slid uh, Garrett over into a tackle position. Once or twice he had uh, Garrett dropping in, in, into coverage. There was a time very early in the game when uh, Clowney subbed out, Garrett stayed on, Tack McKinley came in, and uh, I, I forget what the big play was, but uh, it wound up being an effective uh, sub-situation. There were specific things going on throughout the game uh, on which you have to tip your cap to uh, Joe Woods. So nothing, nothing bad can be said about Joe Woods today. You still have to wonder how he's going to do on the road against an experienced quarterback at Minnesota. Don't you find it weird that they chose to attack a running quarterback with the way they they, they came at him? No, well, I maybe, yeah. maybe they figured that was the best way to keep him from running. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, he couldn't be sure. And, and to your early point, I think, Nate, that uh, – or Marla, one of you made the point, and we can probably all agree that there was a lot of internal discussion about whether Woods needed to be uh, more aggressive uh, and uh, take more chances. I don't know if it's taking chances when you're sending the guys against a rookie quarterback, but uh, the fact is that he wasn't sending nearly as many as he sent today against, uh, against the rookie quarterback, and, uh, and that worked. So, You know, Nate mentioned the Browns' offensive line, and one thing I give uh, Kevin Stefanski credit for is he, that second quarter, he started to check down or have Baker Mayfield check down and see and look more for Kareem Hunt on those shorter routes. Um, and, and Hunt started to inflict some damage. Um, I guess the, the larger point is I, that that was a nice little move on his part. Yeah, I mean, I I think this was a case of like, you know, we're so used to seeing Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt play well, but Kareem Hunt was the hot hand uh, today. And, you know, well, Chubb still finished with 22 carries, 84 yards, um, and Hunt had fewer. But Hunt had, I mean, 10 carries for 81 yards, 29-yard touchdown early in the fourth quarter to really steal it and – you know, at that point, we knew what the outcome was going to be. But the six catches for 74 yards, six catches on seven targets, it was like they just basically, you know, left him open. And, and you know, Baker was able to continually go to him there, George. And, of course, he's so good at yards after the catch and, and, and making guys miss. So he had a 23-yard 
reception on one of those, uh, I believe, on a screen. So, yeah, I, I thought Hunt had a fantastic game today. Um, you know, really, there's, there's standouts in every single phase of the game for the Browns and the defensive front led by Miles Garrett on defense. Hunt, you know, I, I think he led the way on offense. And then um, Chase McLaughlin, obviously, with the uh, field goals, he was four for four field goals, two for two extra points made 57 and 52 yard field goals. It was really a, a well-rounded game, but Hunt absolutely was a force. I think Steve thought it was Hunt's best game as a Browns player. I think it's a question. Somebody asked, was yeah. it Hunt's best game? They asked this to Kareem, uh, was it your best game? To me, it sounded like a rhetorical question. For me, it is. It was uh, hands down his best game. Statistically, yeah. is it? I didn't get to go through no, but, all but, but, yes. Well, statistic, arguably, statistically, I don't think he had, uh, I think he had 155 yards in scrimmage today. I think that's a career high in Cleveland. But uh, the combination of that, the situation of a game that you absolutely had to win, uh, in, in my in my opinion, and the look of uh, the way Hunt, Hunt ran today, he, he looked uh, looked uh, just tremendous. One, uh, and I'll close uh, this point with this, but uh, it dawned on me when I was watching Hunt run a couple of times in the key situations today, with the game still on the line, that uh, who have we seen in the expansion era, including Nick Chubb, who runs the ball pretty dang hard. Who have we seen who runs it, slams it up there like Hunt, other than maybe the only guy I could come up with, and of course he played a different position, but when he had the ball in his hands, the only guy who slammed it the way Hunt is slamming it was Josh Krebs, in my opinion. Here's, I, 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 looking at Hunt work this afternoon, I, I wonder to myself, did the Bears forget he was on the roster or something, or, or or what? That's what it seemed like sometimes. It's like, I mean, they left him open. Yeah. Well, it was like they were all prepared for Chubb, and I mean, but but George, to your initial point, I do think the offensive line looked mortal. But you know, it looked like Will's sort of, you know, dinged his ankle. He had to come out for a snap or two, and you know, Batonio had a couple penalties. I mean, that just shows you how tough the. They were having a tough go of it with the Bears front. So, but I do think the, you know, arguably best line in the league, you know, had its moments and that seemed to be hurting Chubb more than it was hurting Hunt. Maybe Hunt, you know, I don't know, maybe that's why he, you know, Baker mentioned he had sort of that look in his eye that almost like eye of the tiger look. Maybe that's what kind of turned Hunt on. I don't, to you know, to attack more. I don't know. Chicago's defense was the best defense uh, by uh, a, a significant margin uh, that the Browns have, have played this year. And I thought it was a great exercise in mental toughness for the Browns, and I think they passed it with flying colors. They passed it on a day when uh, we were talking about this before we went on, about uh, Mayfield's radar being off today. Either, either, either some guys were running some pretty nasty routes or his radar was off today. He went 19 of 21 passing last week. Went 19 of 31 passing this week, and uh, and that wasn't forced. He was under more more pressure this week than he was last week, but uh, uh, that was puzzling to me. Why that was? Whether it's the whole body equilibrium of a guy who had a, had his shoulder mangled uh, last week, whether it's the sensibility of the Bears having a uh, a, bet, a better ability to get after him from one play to the next, but May, Mayfield's uh, inaccuracy was troubling in a way. But he almost answered that uh, in, in a really strong way 
by uh, playing as poised a game, I thought, uh, as, as he ever plays. He never seemed to, uh, to question. You know, from one play to the next, uh, if, if one play was an overthrow, the next play, play was going to be a third and ten completion over the middle where the ball was on the money. So I thought he had uh, one of his more fascinating games as a Brown. It was nice to see him be able to connect with OBJ, though. And, and that's and, and considering it was his first game back, that was something everybody was on, on the lookout for. And it, it seemed to be that stereotypical quote unquote chemistry is is there. Yeah, at I least for one game. It's, a, it's we're over what twelve minutes now, and we're just mentioning Odell Beckham Jr.'s first <laughs> game back from the torn ACL. Uh, first time seeing him play a game in eleven months, and that just tells you how well some of the other guys on the team played. But I thought Odell had a pretty impressive game. Um, five catches on nine targets, 77 yards. He had a 10-yard run on an end around. And I tallied up some of uh, what he did kind of play by play. And, uh, you know, he had, he, he had five first downs, including the run. Um, Two of his catches were for third down conversions. He had a 26-yard catch. Uh, that was this Brown's second longest play right behind the, the phenomenal Cream Hunt 29-yard touchdown run in which he, he made three guys miss uh, on his way to the end zone. So I thought Odell had a good game. I thought that he and Baker, um, yeah, there were some misses, but I thought they they looked, they looked better in his first game back than they looked in a lot of games um, together. So – I guess there is some hope that they can parlay this into a, a better connection than they've had in previous years. I do think Mayfield, one thing, I think the 19 and 21 last week was really a, a result of a, a lot of the quick passing game. I think he did attack farther down the field. I was just looking at pro football focus and I don't know what the average uh, uh, air yards were. Um, last week, but I think it was a short, quicker passing game, especially with Stefanski trying to, to protect him with that shoulder injury that he had in the second quarter. But he averaged 10.9 yards per target today, six passes uh, longer than 20 yards, uh, nine passes in the 10 to 19-yard range. So I think that had some of, some to do with it too. Um, but you guys are right. Obviously, he wasn't as sharp as last week, and the statistics bear that out just on the on the regular box score too. Well, that was more at the beginning of the game. You know, that's why I do think you know when he didn't connect, they adjusted well. What he didn't do today was turn it over, and that was a first for the season. And 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 then the last point I made about Mayfield having a, a fascinating game, uh, his radar being off and yet uh, doing uh, many things right from a, a quarterbacking leadership uh, standpoint and resiliency standpoint. I thought it maybe was just as fascinating a game for Kevin Stefanski, who of course Woods was on the uh, the hot seat uh, the first couple of weeks, uh, but uh, Stefanski uh, kind of put himself there and spanked himself for uh, uh, some of the protections he was uh, setting up that, uh, that uh, hurt the offense tonight. But what I liked about Stefanski as the game uh, progressed was it was kind of a read and react, uh, you know, process and coach on the fly, which is really, really important. You're going to be a head coach in this league and you can't make adjustments and, and good ones and good ones that win games. And, uh, you know, you're not going to be a head coach in the NFL for very long. I like the way Stefanski mixed things up and, and even uh, going uh, going to, let's say, hunt. Uh, at first, it seemed as though Stefanski wanted to ride last week's uh, 
combined with Dimitrik uh, Felton, who had three targets in the first half. But uh, then uh, kind of sensed that, uh, well, we had this guy named Kareem Hunt on the team. And then he refocused on, on uh, Hunt, went to Hunt, and rode him after he got hot, as, as we've talked about. And even uh, the aspect of uh, the, the mesh between Stefanski and Mayfield and uh, Hollywood Higgins. I mean, Hollywood Higgins, to me, had a, had a quiet influence on today's game. It's, it's almost like Hollywood, when he's only making a cameo, does, does something big. And his two catches for 24 yards today, I, I thought came at key times along the lines of little things really matter today. Like that 57-yard field goal, the, uh, the shape and the complexion of the game is, is different if you don't have that play along the same lines as the shape and the complexion of the game is different if Hollywood doesn't make a, a key 12-yard uh, catch for the first time Baker goes to him. Yeah, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones also showed up just like Hollywood, only two targets, but they both caught both their targets and Peoples-Jones with two excellent sideline catches. He had one of them on that uh, – Talk about the complexion of the game, Steve. You're right about that field goal, but another one was right before the half. Marlo was tweeting how crucial, critical, crucial of a drive it was. Uh, and they did get the touchdown. 19 seconds left in the second quarter. Baker Mayfield to Austin Hooper for 13 yards. But, yeah, I, I think that uh, there were some nice receiving performances that Higgins and uh, Peoples-Jones were able to turn in. Um, you know, they didn't stuff the stat sheets or anything, but – those are big, important plays. What did Chase McLaughlin do for himself today? Got another uh, game. What's, what's the game check for the minimum uh, wage guys? Something uh, <laughs> divided by a, a lot divided by seventeen. He got him got himself a, a bunch more uh, something divided by seventeens. Uh, you know that's a. Uh, What's for monster case? Come on, I, I, I didn't look this up. Uh, I don't remember anybody making two fifties uh, in uh, in one game in the expansion era. I don't remember Phil ever doing that. You yeah, know, Phil uh, Phil did it. That, he's the only other one. Couldn't have been more than uh, twice at the most, but I, off the top of my head, I don't remember the games. That's that's uh, tremendous. I mean, just I think of what happens if they don't make the fifty-seven yarder, where you're giving them the ball. I mean, right? You're starting you know. to start to panic a little bit. Mm. Yep. Yeah, I think I think um, Chase gave himself, to answer your question, just a ton of confidence, George. I mean, he said that he showed himself he could do it, and, and this is a guy who's bounced around. I think the Browns are his fifth or sixth team that he's kicked for in the NFL. Um, you know, he, he, he kind of won the job by default, right? Cody Parkby got hurt in training camp. Uh, and then Chase had a hamstring injury right before the opener in Kansas City. We didn't know if he was going to get the kick in the opener. They they called up the practice squad guys in emergency. And lo and behold, look at week three, what kind of game he put together. So Phil Dawson did it twice in 2011 and once in 2012. Steve, answer your questions. To answer your question, um, that's, it. that's two field goals of at least 50 yards in the same game. So – Incredible, the longest by a Browns kicker in First Energy Stadium, the 57-yard make. So and a historic day for Miles Garrett, but also Chase McLaughlin. And I thought those performances were so special that they even overshadowed an Odell Beckham Jr. return, which is hard to do. All right, guys, you got anything else? Or are we going to check out of here? 
And now Nate's, uh, you're in Minnesota next weekend? Yep. Kevin Stefanski goes back to the Vikings, the team that he worked for for 14 seasons, a chance to win three games in a row. And I've got, I mean, hey, the Browns can't look ahead. And Steve already mentioned uh, respect for the Vikings. Um, but that, that game after that is, is the Chargers. That's going to be a really interesting one. I think the Browns really need to win in Minnesota and ride a three-game winning streak into uh, L.A. Yeah, the Chargers won today, beating Kansas City. So Minnesota really put one on Seattle today. You know, I yeah, that's to me that's a, a half as impressive, uh, three quarters as impressive as the Chargers uh, beating KC. So yeah, it's, yeah. I, I mean, uh, Nate, I, I don't know. Uh, of course, you never assume a win. Uh, even today, especially not when it was three all there for for quite a while. But uh, I'm not. Uh, I, I think this is a fantastic uh, test for the Browns coming up. It's another good test. They've kind of done what you would expect them to do each of the first three weeks. You know, uh, lose close to Kansas City. Uh, you know, slump out a win in the second game, and then uh, put it all together in your third game. But uh, now they they have another important step. That's uh, they haven't played a game uh, like the one coming up at Minnesota. Great test. I totally agree. Yeah, these next two we're going to learn. I yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how much of this defensive attack carries over into next week. I think that's going to be really interesting. All right, guys, we're going to sign off in my softest, softest voice. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye. See you. See you.